Well, let's turn again to the book of Ecclesiastes together. We are working through this wisdom literature, uh, now moving into the second half of Ecclesiastes, which is a little more proverb-like. We have uh, short poetic statements here. It can be a bit more challenging for us to, to fit together, to find the theme. Um, but the, uh, the, the message, really, the, the goal of the wise teacher remains. He's taking us on this journey a journey along with him in this life under the sun and some of the conclusions that he's reached from that. And he invites us, you know, to, uh, to consider this on what he has learned, uh, invites us to set our hearts on what is eternal, on what endures, um, instead of the vanities of this life. Um, just considering what, what we see, what we experience as being so temporal uh, in this life, in the grand scheme of things. Um, so vanity is only answered by eternity is what seems to, to really come, come to the fore here. But there are some helpful things for us to know and remember as we share this journey of life under the sun, uh, making our way towards eternity. And so much of what we read here in chapter 7 of Ecclesiastes, I think you could lump it into this category of common sense. And yet, as the living Word of God here for us, I think it's wise that we consider how common is this common sense. Um, We're certainly not immune from the, the corruption of our own common sense and the effects of sin. And so our wisdom needs to be calibrated, um, fed by the living Word of God here. And so as we, as we read these verses in chapter 7, you're going to hear the word better uh, quite frequently. The teacher is uh, making these parallel statements, sort of contrasting uh, what is better of greater benefit uh, for the wise over the way of the fool. And he's already shared in chapter 1 and 2 that, that wisdom isn't the end-all be-all. It's not the answer to all things uh, under the sun. Even with lots of wisdom, life can be confusing and frustrating. But that doesn't mean we, uh, we throw that out altogether. There's still great importance in living in the fear of the Lord uh, in wisdom. Uh, but what does that look like? How is it better in this life? Uh, we'll take uh, the first four verses here initially in chapter 7. A wise teacher says, A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Lord God, we pray that you would use your word to draw us ever closer to your own heart and that you would give us hearts of wisdom. Lord, we need your help in this. And even as you speak these words to us, um, they sound a little dissonant to our ears. And so we ask for the help of your Spirit now to grant us wisdom and discernment. Uh, Show us how to apply this word to our lives and to do so faithfully. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. A few weeks ago when Heath and I were uh, 
meeting on a, on a Tuesday morning talking about worship and life in the church, and he asked if I had heard about the congressman who had ended a prayer of the opening session of Congress with the words, Amen and Ah-woman. And I hadn't heard about it at that time. Of course, it was all over social media and, um, you know, the, the satire publication were just licking their chops over this. And so I went, I played the video, and it sounded so untenable and so unbelievable that I had to play it a couple of times just to make sure that I heard what I actually heard. Um, and it turns out I, I did actually hear that. Uh, right, um, this a man, a congressman, ordained minister in a mainline denomination, ended the prayer, amen and a woman. Um, and uh, he, he said what he meant and meant, meant what he said. And I wonder as we read Ecclesiastes and verses like this, if, if we're kind of scratching our head and asking those questions, did I really hear that right? Did the wise teacher say what I think he said in these verses? Sorrow better than laughter? House of mourning better than the house of feasting? I mean, what, what is wrong with this guy? Um, you know, is, is this supposed to be helpful and encouraging you know, for this journey that we are on? But the wise teacher uh, says what he means, means what he says. And so I think it's important for us to remember at least a couple of things when we read words like this and we're sort of scratching our heads. Uh, and the first is that the wise teacher is, is not somehow detached, stoic, you know, party pooper here. Um, you know, if you're having fun, then something unwise or unchristian must be happening. That's, that's not uh, the posture he's taking. Uh, he commends joy on the journey enjoying the everyday gifts from the Lord, finding joy and contentment uh, in God's provision. Uh, so we have to keep that in mind while at the same time realizing what's on his mind as he writes this. He is considering life under the sun and all of those things that frustrate us and confuse us and have a tendency to derail us from a life of wisdom. Um, so I, I realize it's not you know, kind of the pick-me-up verses maybe we'd like to, to hear this morning, but we need to give our attention if we're going to live in the fear of the Lord. Um, and I, th I think Proverbs really has a way of doing that, sort of stopping us in our tracks and going, huh, maybe I, I need to consider that a little bit more. Uh, keeping us pondering life and God's work uh, in our lives. So he begins here by saying that there is wisdom in going to the funeral. There's wisdom in that. The wise person is going to go to their own funeral before they actually get to their own funeral. Uh, they consider their end and the brevity of their days. Um, death is not something that can be escaped. And it's at the time of death that a person, that we, are really made known. Um, a good name, okay, a reputation... Um, and, and precious ointment that we read here in verse 1, those are both precious things. Those are both good things. The day of birth and the day of death, both very good things, but one is better. One is of a greater benefit to us. So the good name is better, or the good name is better, the day of death is better. Those are things that, that go together here. Um, death reveals the life that has gone before. Uh, your character, my character, is going to be known at our deaths. 
and not at our births. One uh, pastor said this well. He said, it is the obituary and not the birth announcement that best reveals the measure of a person. Um, When we're at the house of mourning, whether it's at an actual house or here in the sanctuary or at the gravesite, it's those places, those places of sorrow, places of grief that really get us our attention, get us focusing on, on things that ultimately matter, things that maybe we haven't thought about for a while, things that we may try to avoid and sort of distract ourselves from any serious contemplation, the inevitability of our own death. Um, that's the way of the fool, is what the teacher says here. Just, just show me the next party. You know, merrymaking can sort of drown out that reality. Just laugh it off. So then life sort of becomes one big distraction from where life is really going. I attended a retirement ceremony not too long ago, an enlisted airman, and this gentleman was always known for making jokes. Um, he could, you know, lighten the mood, keep everybody, you know, laughing, and uh, all the comments and accolades that were shared about him were precisely that. He could you know, sort of, you know, lighten the mood in in the room. And every time I saw him, he would make a joke about the need to repent of his sins, which I think was just funny because he was talking, you know, with a chaplain or something like that. But with no intention to ever do that, that's just what he would say. Um, Always a distraction from what was really important. And, And I pray that one day he will take seriously what he could never take seriously in the days that I knew him. The day is coming, the day of of death, when there will be no repenting before the righteous judge of all the earth. And Jesus' warning is clear in Luke chapter 6. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep that great day. So Lord, teach us to number our days as a psalmist, that we may gain a heart of wisdom, um, not playing the fool, always looking for a distraction. And we can be distracted by a lot of things. We can be distracted by the allurements of this world, um, all of the, the delights around us, even the good gifts from God's hand can be forms of, of distraction. We can even be distracted. And I want to be careful here because we, we see so much so many examples of lament in the scriptures and our need to express our sorrow and our grief. God gives us these emotions, but we can be distracted even by our own sadness. Um, Grief and pain can distract us from what God intends to do in and through us in that sorrow. Um, It's here where the Spirit is working, that that transformation. And there are some folks, and maybe you can recognize this in yourself, that there are some folks who will sort of, they'll always be sad in every season of life. Um, They they almost wear that sadness as kind of a badge of honor. Woe is me. Um, And it's possible to, to sort of stay that way and not learn from what the sadness is intended to teach us in God's um, wise providence. Dr. Eswine, he says this a slightly different way. He says, Wisdom does not use sad things to avoid life, but uses sad things to learn life. Um, I think that's helpful. Sorrow is better than laughter, verse 3. By sadness of face, the heart is made glad. So the heart is better for it, is the point. 
It's those places of hurt, the places of sadness that tend to teach us more. They have a greater moral benefit in our lives than uh, just places of entertainment. Um, so considering our own funerals, that should mean something for how we live today, um, how we spend our days. Um, though we may not be remembered for long, we will be remembered our reputation, whether we're, we're building up or tearing down that name in the days that God gives to us. Um, will we be remembered for living in the fear of God? Uh, living in obedience to God's word, bearing the fruit of his spirit in us. And so as we come to terms with this brevity of life, it's, it's going to inform our prayer life. Helps us move beyond this you know, sort of right now me prayers we talked about the other week. Moving into that forever you communion with God. Desiring His will to be done. His name to be exalted in every situation, every circumstance in our lives. We're going to be, have a richer, healthier prayer life when we consider the measure of our days. This is Psalm 39. O Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. And now, O Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. A view to the end is a view of hope for the Christian. A view of hope for those who are united to Christ. Uh, Great writer Samuel Clemens, uh, more well known as Mark Twain. uh, This is what he scribed. He said, a man who lives fully is prepared to die at any time. A man who lives fully is prepared to die at any time. I think... That's the underlying message of the wise teacher here. A message that we see throughout the scriptures that Paul will uh, enforce in the New Testament. You know, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Our view is, is ahead. Do we, do we consider our death as such? As such gain? Or are we fighting against it, laughing it off for another day? The heart of the wise goes to the house of mourning, considers well Uh, what the end means for the present. So there's wisdom in going to the funeral. There's also wisdom in correction. Um, The heart, laying to heart correction. This is verses uh, five and six. It's better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of fools. This is also vanity. Uh, Let's be honest here. We all like to be flattered. We all like to be told how cool we are and how great the things that we've done are. Um, but flattery is actually the song of fools. Um, just laugh with me. Tickle my ears. Tell me what it is I want to hear. But the wise person actually wants to be corrected. Now let that sink in for a second. You know, consider along with me how much our hearts really want to be corrected. That, that's tough. The wise are, are teachable. And more than just wanting, able to receive that correction as a gift from God, the wise can sift out correction even amidst unhelpful critique. You know, there's something that can, that can be learned here, no matter how painful or unwarranted those comments may have been. For a fool, you know, it's just like a pot over... A crackling of thorns. We were making a fire in our, our little portable fire pit that we have behind the house a couple of weeks ago, and we tried to burn some bamboo. 
Now, you put bamboo in the fire, and it doesn't burn very well right away. There's so much moisture contained in there, it pops and sizzles. But once it dries out, well then, you must like dumping paper in the fire. It just burns hot, flashes, and you're left with a whole bunch of ash. Um, so the laughter of fools, the words of fraterly, like, like that bamboo, you're here one minute, gone the next. There's no lasting effect in our lives compared to the correction uh, of the wise. It's a correction that's always needed. Even the wise can be you know, sort of driven off course, maybe made to do things that they would have never have done uh, because of things like extortion or bribery. Verse 7, maybe um, you know, that the power of these sorts of oppressive tools upon their hearts can, can twist even in the wise off course. So we must guard our hearts, imploring God for wisdom. Um, the Spirit of Christ is the Spirit of wisdom. And his, his, his wisdom you know, bears the fruit that we've been reading and, and talking about in our small groups. So let's pray for this. Ask God to grant a wisdom that's able to discern and heed correction. Wisdom is rarely found in the arrogant, verse 8, or the angry, in verse 9, better is the end of a thing than its beginning. Uh, really a parallel with the opening verses of the chapter. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. So the wise person is patient, self-controlled, uh, not arrogant. And I think you know, most of us aren't going around you know, shouting, look at me, you know, I'm, you know, love me if you know what's best for you, a kind of a thing. No, our pride and arrogance is, is usually... Uh, most often, you know, more subtle than this, um, comes by always having to have the last word. Um, maybe we have to be the one to correct with the right answer all the time. Our answer, by the way. Um, a little more subtle. You know, ma- making sure others know what our contribution has been to the situation. Um, a humble, teachable spirit I mean, that's the opposite of a proud spirit. Okay, the one who humbles himself will be exalted, said Jesus, to those who are trusting in their own rightness. Um, the wise don't harbor anger. They're not hot-tempered. This doesn't mean they're never angry. Uh, there's no righteous anger. I think of um, you know, the very example that the Lord has given to us. Uh, but our anger so easily spills over into, into unrighteous anger. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity for the devil, Paul says in Ephesians 4. Um, you know, anger that stews in the pot, it just so easily boils over into bitterness. So wisdom can express anger over injustice. Um, that, that righteous, holy anger, but it's not shocked over the injustice itself. Um, it lays that before the Lord, takes that, that wickedness before Him, before the one who judges justly. Vengeance is the Lord. It's not yours. It's not mine. Um, he will repay with the, the appropriate, most measured amount of severity. So we need to trust Him for that. There's little place for anger or arrogance when our only boast is in Christ, the magnitude of His mercy shown to us. The last few verses here round out the better part of wisdom. The teacher wants us to understand. Verse 10, Say not, why were the former days better than these? 
For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, an advantage to those who see the sun. For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money. And the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. So there's a preserving power to wisdom that looks a lot like money. And it's interesting that he makes this comparison considering what he said already about money and about wealth and just how temporal and fleeting those things are. Uh, Money's not the answer. You can't put your trust or your hopes in what's in the bank account. There's a lot lot less control over those things than you think. But he doesn't say that money has no purpose at all. Um, Money can provide certain protection, a shade um, for those uh, with whom it's entrusted. Um, I recognize even in this room there we have those who are, are facing financial challenges, um, strains, not really sure uh, how things are going to come together uh, all the time. But I also know in this room that there is none who's really wondering, you know, when the next time it is you're going to eat or, you know, if you're going to be able to get another pair of shoes to replace the worn out ones that you're wearing all the time. Those are just questions and concerns that we're not, they're not even on our radar not even thinking through this, because there's that shade of provision, that shade of money that we're living under. Um, unlike a vast number of people in this world. Um, so wisdom, which, which has no correlation to the amount of money one has, that's also a shade. Um, it's a protection from the many dangers that we could um, be facing or, or the, the dangers that would face the one without this wisdom, that, that preservative doesn't guarantee certain outcomes, but it avoids many of the traps, um, concerns, pains of this life that are before uh, the fool. Um, how about the good old days? Do you ever long for the good old days? Back when things were normal. Um, what things? You know, we're, we're normal. Better in what way if we're thinking through that? I mean, it makes, it makes us feel good to think about, you know, days gone by. It helps us to remember where we've been, uh, to direct kind of where it is we're going. But wisdom doesn't, it doesn't camp out there. Um, you know, th- think what we're communicating if, you know, the grass was always greener. Or just let's get back to the good old days. Um, This isn't what I expected. This isn't what I planned. Or maybe even, I've gotten the the raw deal here. I've gotten the short end of the stick. Do you you hear the dissatisfaction under that? Dissatisfaction in God's providence. His provision behind those types of words. Even in words like, oh, the good old days. I was trying to think if there was a difference between nostalgia and dissatisfaction with one's lot. Um, nostalgia is that I mean, it's affection for the past things that have happened in the past enjoying a good memory I think goes along with nostalgia um, and we, we could be nostalgic about various times in various uh, places but I think like anger and bitterness go to anger, anger bubbles over into bitterness I think nostalgia can easily lead to dissatisfaction um, 
when the good old days becomes a yearning and a longing for some past condition or past circumstance, then we sort of, now we're in the playground of the fool when that, when that happens. A wise person recognizes that the grass wasn't always greener on the other side. Uh, things maybe weren't as good in some ways. Um, God's providence has placed us here in this time for such a place, such a time as this. Not to avoid or, or run from or distract ourselves, um, but for, for this time. So nothing new under the sun. We have the same heart condition as those who have gone uh, before us. We have the same fears of Tragedy, the same fears of, of oppression, calamity as those who have gone before us. Um, it just looks a little different in this season that we're in, in this place. And I think of all the generations of Christians that have gone before us uh, when they faced uncertain times, um, when they faced persecution, when they faced hardship. You know, Jesus doesn't come to them you know, and comfort them with words like, well, just remember the good old days. Just remember what things were like. You know what he says? Luke chapter 6. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. That's how he comforts them. Rejoice in that day. Church family, heaven, heaven is this way. It is ahead of us. It is forward, not behind us. And so as Christians, we are looking forward that's where our gaze is. We have this long-term view of what is happening in this world and where things are going because we know the God who controls it all. We know the one who is, who is working in all of these things, including the few days of your life and mine, towards this great day. So it says, better is the end of a thing than its beginning. Our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Rejoice in that day. Rejoice today. If you breathe your last today, or the Lord says enough and parts the heavens, we are home with our Savior and it is better by far. So we're looking ahead. What is to come? That, that informs everything now. The day of death is better than the day of birth. You know, this, this wisdom, it's very evident and proclaimed in the very life of Jesus. I mean, the incarnation of the Son of God the birth of Christ. I mean, that is a mystery and a marvel. What a wonder. Celebrated by God's people all over the world in the coming of Christ. But it's the death of Christ that is far greater. It's the end, the death of Jesus that delivers us, that sets us free uh, from the condemnation of sin, gives us life now uh, in abundance and forever. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though he dies. Do you believe this? It's a question to you and to me. Friend, you must believe this. You must believe in him if your day of death is to be better than the day of your birth. So may we be those who pray for the grace of God every day to live wisely and to die well knowing that our end, the life to come, is better by far. Let's keep that vision before us because that is the way of wisdom. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask this very thing, that we would walk with wisdom in the fear of you. 
Lord, we pray for this wisdom as you've instructed us to do so. May we not look to the distractions and consider all that pulls us away from what is truly important pulls us away from contemplating our life with you and the life to come with you. Lord, teach us to number our days. May we be those who rejoice in this day, for today is a day of your kindness and patience. Today is a day of your salvation. The salvation that you have extended to us freely in Christ. And Lord, it is through your wisdom the wisdom of your Spirit. May that be known in us and bear its fruit in our lives as we go from this place. We offer this in Christ's name. Amen.